Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a study in the book of Ecclesiastes called Unsatisfied, The Search for Meaning. We're learning that chasing after satisfaction apart from God will leave us empty. Thanks for joining us. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything that you do. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. But don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him in your youth. Remember Him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your eyes and rain clouds continually darken in the sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble and before your shoulders stoop. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Remember him before you near the grave your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your Creator now while you are young. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Hope you, if you've been with us, you're getting used to turning there. If you're just getting used to it, Ecclesiastes is near the middle of the Bible. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at 11, uh, all of chapter 11 and verses 8, uh, first verses of 8 in chapter 12. Um, and if you want to use the black Bible there, we have some new ones this week and it's on page 546. The Black Bible, page 546. And as you're turning there, if you haven't been with us for this series, or even if you have, let me just review. The book of Ecclesiastes is all about the search for meaning and satisfaction. King Solomon wrote this book, and uh, again, he was considered the wisest person in the world. And when he wrote this, he wrote it as wisdom literature. That's what we've been saying again and again. There's different kinds of genres in the Bible. This is wisdom literature that's meant to teach us how to be wise. Now, his method is to goad us, to push us. A goad is a sharp stick that keeps pushing us. It's not necessarily pleasant, but it keeps moving us forward. And his whole approach is to say, look, you may not want to do this, but this is good for you. And he helps us face the hard realities of suffering, injustice, death, other things that are hard for us to understand and that are easy for us to ignore. So as he does this, he wants us to deal with what really is true and meaningful in life so we can become wise. Now, you already heard Frank read there, and I don't know if you caught the word uh, accountability, but it's one of the things that I want us to see today. And to borrow a phrase from Andy Stanley, if you're following along in the notes, here is what I think is a good summary of the book of Ecclesiastes. And Steve's going to finish this up next week, 
uh, as we finish our series, and the same theme will carry on. But here it is. Life here, under the sun, life here is a stewardship. It's temporary, and we're accountable. Life here is a stewardship. It's temporary, and we're accountable. And again, as you think about that, where, where do we get this idea? Well, the three words that I hope you walk to your car today thinking about and into this week are these. Remember your creator. Would you say that with me? Remember your creator. We're going to find that in 12.1, but I want to just help, help you think, with this, uh, think about this with me, especially as we prepare for communion. Now, one of the great statesmen our country has ever had was about 200 years ago. There was a guy named Daniel Webster. I don't know if you've ever, you know, read, on, read about him in Wikipedia or in history, but he was the Secretary of State, the United States Secretary of State for three different presidents, a member of both houses of Congress, and just an incredible guy. And he was brilliant in, in his different speeches. Someone once stopped him and said, like, what's the greatest thought you've ever had? And here's how he responded. The most important thought that ever occupied my mind is that of my individual responsibility to God. Wow. Wow. He says, every time I think about that, that is the most important thought I have ever entertained in my mind. Huh. Now, if you're following along, here's what I hope you'll see in this passage as well, is that Solomon gives wisdom to face life's certainties and uncertainties. Solomon gives wisdom to face life's certainties and uncertainties. We've seen that there are so many things in life that we do not understand. Things that seem unfair, things that seem unjust, things that we don't even, we're just sick of hearing about or wanting to deal with. And Solomon says, this is real life. You got to deal with this. But you're either going to deal with it as a wise person or as a foolish person. Your choice. And I want to help you. He says, I want to goad you. I'm going to challenge you at times. You may not carry my picture on your phone, but I'm going to challenge you. Okay? And so he does that. So here we, here we go. Let me just uh, invite you to follow along. Uh, and the first thing that before we uh, pray is that here's what I want you to see about wisdom in that first line. Okay? Is that in part, wisdom is admitting there's so much we do not know. In part, wisdom is admitting that there's so much that we do not know. In other words, there are uncertain things in life that we can't predict, we cannot know, we do not know, we have limits. Uh, my grandfather, uh, who um, died back in uh, December of 1991, I, I still miss him a lot, and I think about him because his birthday was on Christmas Eve, he, he said to me in his 70s, he said, Jeff, the older I get, the more I realize how much I don't know. I'm so glad he told me that. Because the older I get, the more I realize how much I don't know. But I also am thankful for what we can know and what, we, what Solomon teaches us here about life's certainties and uncertainties. So I want to ask you, if you would, to pray with me because here's why this message is important. Time is passing. And if it's true that we only have one life, only one shot, then the way we spend our time here on earth matters. And so I want to just ask that you'd pray with me that God will teach us from his word in a way that will go with us past this hour, okay? So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I don't want to ever hold this book without being grateful to you. 
and I pray that you'll make us wiser as we listen to you and take your counsel to heart. And I pray for people that are here that may not even know where they are with you today, that you would show them that you care about them and that uh, you're involved in their life more than they know. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so I'm gonna start um, reading Ecclesiastes 11.1. When we get to verse five, would you be willing to read that with me? I'll read the first six verses of this chapter. So here we go. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind. In fact, I started the verse I asked you to read. Here we go. Let's do it together. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. And then verse 6 says, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Do you see how many times it says you do not know? You cannot understand, but there are some things you can still do. So here's, I love Derek Kidner, the Old Testament scholar. He kind of gives an outline for these 18 or 19 verses we're going to look at today. And so as we prepare for communion, just know I'm not going to spend a long time on all these sections. I want to focus in on remember your creator. But I want to give you an overview because the context helps us appreciate what we can do in the midst of life's uncertainties and certainties. So here we go. The first one is be bold. Be bold. And here's, if you're following along the notes, here it is. Give yourself, take action, and don't procrastinate, Solomon says. If you want to enter into life and know it to the full, if you want to know meaning and satisfaction, be bold. Give yourself, take action, and don't procrastinate. Um, again, I don't know if you know the definition of the word bold. It just means willing to take risk. It means willing to try new things. It means to be adventurous when it's easier to be afraid. And you notice the pictures here? It uses several things like a farmer. It says, look, you can actually, rather than just keeping your grain, you can actually send it on ships to foreign countries. Are there risks? Would the pirates steal it? Make the ship go down? Sure. But if you do that kind of thing, the, the return is bigger. You got to be willing to decide if you're willing to do that. And then he says, if you constantly look at the clouds or the wind, you'll never get out of the house and plant. You'll never sow or reap. So he says, come on, think about this. And then he says, be wise too. Don't just do one thing. Do this in multiple ways. Find all kinds of ways to give yourself, take action. Don't procrastinate. Uh, Cheryl Sandberg in her book, Option B, writes this. Recently, a chalkboard was set up in the middle of New York City. Write your biggest regret. Of the hundreds of answers that were written on the blackboard, most of them had one thing in common. The majority of regrets were about failures to act, not actions that failed. Is there something that you've known, either something you can do for somebody else or something that you felt a prompting to do and you keep putting it off? Can I just suggest today, be bold. Take action. Give yourself. 
Don't coast. Don't constantly be going, well, don't wait for perfect conditions. That's what he's saying. Many of us go, well, I'll wait till everything gets just right. Has anybody noticed that it barely ever gets just right? Has anybody said, well, I'm not going to work today till there's perfect conditions? How would that go? I'm not going to love my family unless there's perfect conditions. How would that go? There's a whole bunch of things, friends, we'll never do. But if we want to be wise, if we want to know meaning and satisfaction in the long run, we'll take action, we'll be bold. The second thing, though, we find in verses 7 through 10 is be joyful if you're following along. Be bold, be joyful. In other words, appreciate and enjoy God's gifts all your days. Appreciate and enjoy God's gifts all your days. This is now the seventh enjoy passage in these 12 chapters. And that means that Solomon is saying, okay, look, there's a whole bunch of things that are sad. There's a whole bunch of things that are devastating in life, but that does not mean you cannot be joyful. Why? Because joy is not the absence of sorrow. Joy is the presence of God. And you and I can know this quiet joy. It may not be one of these like big party joy. We can know this quiet joy in our lives. We can find reasons to be thankful. If we have eyes to see it, we will see God's gifts. And the question is, is that something we choose to be? Or are we going to go through life and say, I'm only going to be joyful if. When this happens, I'll be joyful. No, the opportunity is there now if you choose. And you've met people like this that choose joy even though the circumstances don't naturally lend themselves to it. It's something you and I can choose. And so, again, let me read these verses. Go, excuse me, I'm reading chapter 9, that's not going to work. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. Can we just all say amen to that? It pleases the eyes to see the sun. Now, as we're heading into the next four months, let's just all agree that every time we see the sun, we'll say, that pleases me. Okay? All right? Here we go. Verse 8. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is vapor, mist, fleeting, temporary, meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young. By the way, it doesn't say be happy that you are young. It says be happy while you are young. In other words, there's an opportunity there. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So banish anxiety from your heart and cast off troubles, the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are vapor, mist, fleeting, temporary, meaningless. Can I just talk with you about the joy thing? Just uh, one more moment. Uh, my dad, when he was uh, younger, um, went through a period where he was down. I mean, down for like two years. And one of the things he said helped him in those days is that each morning when he would rise, he would say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Well, he began to practice that, and when he would uh, come into my bedroom, and it was still dark, and he would lift the shades, he'd be just a little too happy. (laughs) And uh, so he would invite me to rejoice and be glad in it, and it took me a little while to get there, but I thought about the wisdom of that. 
And I've thought about the fact that if you're ever around someone who chooses to be joyful over someone who chooses to be like Eeyore, it's all the difference in the world, isn't it, friend? I'm not talking about a fake joy. I'm talking about a deep gratitude that runs like a river in your life. So be bold, be joyful. The third thing he says to us is this, be godly. Be godly. If you're following along, remember that he made you to do all of life with him. Remember that he made you to do all of life with him. This is your purpose. This is where you find meaning when you learn. To be godly friends means instead of letting the whole world revolve around you, the whole world revolves around God. You revolve around God, and you learn how to live out that purpose. And so let me ask you to read verse 12, uh, verse 1 in chapter 12 with me in that second gray box, and then I'll read the other eight verses. uh, Here we go. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Now let me read verses 2 through following, and what you're going to see is what sounds like uh, the deterioration, decline of a house, but it's describing our bodies. It's describing the process of aging and ultimately death. Before the sun and the light, and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men stoop. It's talking about our hands, our arms, our shoulders. When the grinders cease because they are few, talking about our teeth, and those looking through the windows grow dim, our eyesight. When the doors to the street are closed, and the sound of grinding fades, it's talking again about our hearing going. And then it says, and yet, When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. It's this idea that when I get older, I I, I can't, even a little sound can wake me up even though I'm losing my hearing. It's, It's kind of interesting. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, people are afraid to go out or afraid of falling. When the almond tree blossoms, that meant it turned white, hair turning white. And the grasshopper drags itself along the gate of a person that gets older, slows, and desire no longer is stirred, even referring to sexual desire. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. It's kind of a picture of even though we're a very complex people, our bodies, that when all that begins to slow down or breaks, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless, and that word is hevel, fleeting, temporary, mist, vapor. Be godly. So what do we do in life's certainties and uncertainties? Well, notice if you're following along that Solomon tells us what to know and remember in the midst of life's certainties and uncertainties. What to know and remember. And he mentions these in some of the verses I put out to the right. But let me just summarize it for you in the next two lines. Here's what we can know. The reason why we need to remember him is because the days of darkness, death, and judgment are coming too. For the days of darkness, death, and judgment are coming too. In other words, there's these windows of opportunity to be bold, to be joyful and to be godly. But know this, know this, he says. 
Whatever you decide to do with your life, know that God is going to bring everything into judgment. There is an accountability that you and I will give one day. Our life here is a stewardship. It's temporary, and we're accountable. And how do we live in light of that, is remembering that, this process of aging. Uh, some of you know that uh, aging's just a curious thing, and my hair has changed color since I first became the pastor here uh, 20 some years ago. My kids were the first to point it out. And what I've noticed is, is that someone has put it this way, just about the time our face clears up, our mind goes. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that? It's just, there's this kind of thing where it conflicts. Uh, I heard about a guy playing golf. Uh, he was in his 80s, and he uh, waited for his buddies, and one day they didn't show up, so he was pretty upset. Standing in the clubhouse, a guy even older than him noticed that he was upset. He says, can I help you? He says, yeah. He says, I was hoping to play golf today, but I can't see very well, so I know I'm not going to be able to see my ball when I hit it. He says, oh, he says, I have 20-20 vision. Even though I'm older than you, I have 20-20 vision. I'll go with you. I'll ride along in the cart with you. He goes, great. So they go out, first tee, he nails it right down the center of the fairway, and he turns to this guy sitting with him, he says, did you see the ball? He says, yep, I saw it all the way until it stopped. He says, good. He goes, where is it? He says, I forgot. <laughs> so there's these complexities that we deal with, but Solomon says, how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to deal with it? And he says, let me tell you the wisest way to live every day of your life if you're following along, he says, remember your creator before the days of trouble come. Remember your creator before the days of trouble come. See, here's the challenge. He says, you know, remember your creator when you are young. He's not saying, by the way, that young is the only time to remember your creator. He's saying, look, you've got a door of opportunity. Young is a mindset, by the way. He's saying, before your body begins to decline and deteriorate, and you're no longer able to do some of these same things, start early. One of the reasons why I'm thankful that you invest in children's ministry and youth ministry is because all the statistics show that most people make a decision to trust Christ before they get to their adult years. Not saying there's obviously God is so great, he works in all ages. And if you're much older, it's not too late. What he's saying is, make the most of it. Start as early as possible. Do not look back and say, oh, friends, as a pastor, I have talked to too many people that say, all those years I could have used to really walk with God and serve him faithfully. And I didn't do that. Oh, man, I wish I had. And so again, he's just saying, be wise. As soon as God begins to prompt you, respond. Don't, don't wait. Don't put it off. And so this is for all of us. Remember, it says, enjoy your life all your days. Remember your creator before those things come so that you're ready when they come and you can still remember your creator. But remember your creator. Would you say those three words with me one more time? Remember your creator. Now, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about this because our culture doesn't talk about this. Our culture says, figure out what you want to do. Hold on to your dreams. It's all about you. And that's really an attractive message, isn't it? But the Bible says is that you've been made. You have a maker. You have a creator. And here's why this is so powerful. No matter what kids say to you at school, no matter what someone has said to you, whether you were a parent or an authority figure or somebody that hurt you deeply and said that you're trash, you're meaningless, you're worthless, it's not true. You're made by God for God. 
That is one of the most powerful truths that we can know under the sun. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God. And God created the world, and he created you and me. And that means that we have a responsibility to the one who made us to find out why he made us and to live it out while we have time. So remember your creator. That does not just mean let this thought go through your head every once in a while. It means, as Derek Kidner has said, to let go of the illusion that we are self-sufficient and commit our lives to him, our creator. Remember your creator before the days of trouble come. And here's why. He's who made you while you're here and to whom you're going if you're following along. He's who made you. He's why you're here. And he's, to whom, he's the one to whom you're going. And again, I don't know if you've thought about this, but this does not just mean that he made you and, oh, that's good to know. And, uh, you, but one day, friends, one day you're going to stand before him and so am I. Romans 14, 12. Do you, have you ever seen this verse in the Bible? This reminds me of what Daniel Webster said. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Why? Because he made us. He's not going anywhere. And one day, when our life is done, we're going to give an account for the way we stewarded this temporary life. And we're accountable. And so, how do you live with that, that big truth? You want to talk about a big reality. That's a big one. And so as you think about that means that the good news is, is that your life is not meaningless. See, if you're just here by chance, you're going to have a hard time finding meaning that lasts. Because you're an accident. But that's not true, according to the Bible. Listen to what Tim Keller says. This is really helpful to me. He says, Solomon is pushing and pushing and pushing you to show there's no middle ground. Either there's a God, there's a life above the heaven who created you and a God who sustains you and a God who will judge you. And there's an afterlife in eternity or else everything is utter futility and there's nothing in the middle. How could this modern secular mindset work that says, yes, there is no God, yes, we're accidents, and yes, eventually we're going to annihilation. In other words, my origin is insignificant, my destiny is insignificant, but while we're here, we have to work for human rights. Every human being is valuable. We have to work for human dignity, and we have to work for equal rights and for justice for all. Come on, he says. People think Christians are people who are naive? Are you kidding me? Look at the faith that takes to believe that. If my origin is insignificant and my destiny is insignificant, have the guts to admit that your life is insignificant. The psalmist says you don't have to admit that. If you believe that you were created by God, for God, remember your creator. But what happens if we say, you know what, Jeff, thanks for that um, nice day, but I'm going to forget him or I'm not going to remember him right now. If you're following along, here's what I want you to just see so you understand the consequences of our decisions. When we forget him, we forfeit true satisfaction and joy. When we forget him, we forfeit true satisfaction and joy. At Thanksgiving time, uh, someone outside this church has sent me an email and suggested that when we gather to read the Thanksgiving proclamation that Abraham Lincoln, President Abraham Lincoln, wrote in the middle of the Civil War in 1863. 
So I did, with the 17 or 18 of us that gathered. And I was struck by some of it. I'll just read a portion of it, but listen to these words. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. This is the President of the United States writing this. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior virtue and wisdom of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Oh, for leaders like this who remind us to remember our Creator now so we don't waste life and we don't forget Him. And I, I, I have some passages I was going to show you, but for time's sake, let me just say, when I was reading 2 Peter 3 this week, it said that people are going to scoff in the last days. And it uses this phrase, they deliberately forget that God made this world and he destroyed it with a flood by the very water he created and also that he is going to destroy this world one day and everything else is going to burn up and what's it all going to mean then? We're going to stand before him. And the Bible says he's not doing that right now because he's being patient so that he doesn't want anybody to be destroyed but all to come to a change of mind and repentance. So here's my question. Are you remembering your creator now? Are you living wisely? Remember your creator. I appeal to you as Solomon does. That's the wisest decision you'll ever make. And so as we get ready for communion, notice this, that Jesus says, remember me, all I've done and why. Jesus says, remember me, all I've done and why. So we've talked about how Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament is looking forward to the New Testament and is being fulfilled in the new. What God did is that he saw that we didn't remember him. We had forgotten him. In many ways, we deliberately forgot that he was our creator. The Bible calls that sin whenever we put ourselves in the center of the equation and are turned in on ourselves. That's sin. It's not just bad things. It's a whole orientation in life. But God saw us in that condition, knew that we were going to be judged in that condition, and decided to do something about it. And Jesus, God's Son, came down from heaven, put on human flesh, and not only lived the life that we should have lived, but he died the death we should have died so that we could live a different kind of life with meaning. He's our creator. He will be our judge. But better than that, he's our redeemer. He's our life. He's our hope. He's our purpose. He's our meaning. Do you know him? Remember me, Jesus says, and we're going to do that in just a few moments. The question is, how do we do that? So let me just bring this home, and let me just ask you to keep your notes out even after we do the second line, because I still have something I want to share. First, have I humbly acknowledged God is my creator and maker? Have I humbly acknowledged that God is my creator and maker? Can I just ask you that? Have you ever maybe knelt beside your bed, or you're driving in a car, or you're walking the ground somewhere, and all of a sudden you go, I'm made by God for God, and I've never, ever said, you're my creator. 
I'm responsible to you. I'm responsible to find out why you made me. One of the reasons we teach the network class, at least teaching that right now, is because we want every person to discover that when you put your trust in Christ, he has a purpose for your life. He wants to give you gifts, talents, insights, wisdom, and the way your life touches someone else can make a difference in this world. It has a purpose, and it's not just about you. It's about God. It's about people. It's about his plan. But have you ever humbled yourself and just said, I've been living as if I'm my own source, and I'm not. And I humbly acknowledge that. My mom from time to time will just say, Jeff, don't forget where your power comes. Remember to stay yielded to him. This is what it means to remember him, to be humble before him and remember he's my creator and he has a purpose for my life and I'm responsible for that. Second, am I learning to do each day with and for him? Am I learning to do each day with and for him? Have you seen 2 Corinthians 5.15? I love this verse. I found it years ago. It says, and again, if you can keep your notes out, I still have something for you to do, like I said. Uh, do we have it there? Let's read it together. Christ died for everyone. He died so that those who live should not live for themselves anymore. They should live for Christ. He died for them and was raised again. Now, if someone says, how do I practice remember? Just think of the wonder of with. You and I were made to walk with God in every moment of life, not just when we're here at church. So can I just tell you as a pastor, one of my burdens is that we would not be people that remember God on Sunday and forget him on Monday or even Sunday afternoon that we'll learn how to be bold, be joyful, be godly by remembering and doing life with him, all of it. Now, will that ever be perfect on this side of heaven? No. But can we begin to move in that in a greater dimension? Absolutely. This is why Christ came. So let me just ask you, if you would, to take out this insert that I put in the bulletin. And the reason I'm asking you to pull it out is because it'll help us prepare for communion. I want to read through it. But as I'm doing, if you have a pen or if you just want to mentally mark some of these things, years ago, I actually wrestled with what does it honestly mean? Does God, is he messing around when he says, in all your ways, acknowledge me? I thought, you know, does he know I have a life? And he goes, yeah. And it was meant to be done with me. So to acknowledge him. And so I thought, I'm going to write down as many things as I can think of that I might forget. Just to see it from a different angle. And I did. And so again, uh, I could share more, but let me just read through this. And I'm going to alternate the word remember me with acknowledge me in here. Here we go. In times of confusion or uncertainty, in those situations you think you can handle, in conscious moments of anger, resentment, or bitterness, remember me. In the humiliation of repeated moral failure, in abundance or shortage, in your unwillingness to forgive, in the wake of any financial, academic, athletic, professional, or relational success. Acknowledge and remember me. In the midst of subtle or secret temptation, in disappointment, brokenness, or failure, in times of pleasure or when things are just fine, in times of pain, losses, and sorrows, remember me. In times of trouble, panic, or fear, in those times when your heart is bursting with joy, in the midst of suffering or persecution, in the hospital, acknowledge me. In those times when there is no feeling, in the joy of new birth, in exasperation or at your breaking point, in every stage of grief, remember me. 
In hard conversations or unresolved conflict, remember me. In the middle of a sleepless night or even in death, remember me. In your appreciation of the weather or the outdoors, in your selection of art, music, or entertainment, in the doing of your favorite hobby, or when you have to do that most unenjoyable chore, acknowledge and remember me. In the grocery store, paying bills, in all your phone conversations, in the movie theater, or searching Netflix, in your car, on a date, in the yard, or cutting the lawn, in all your eating or drinking, remember me. In your parenting, marriage, or friendships, in times of family fun, in your vacation planning and vacation time, in selecting a career, a mate, or future goal, in all your decision-making, small and great, remember me. In soccer, baseball, volleyball, and softball, in swimming, jogging, cycling, and lifting weights, in tennis, track, basketball, and football, in the sixth fairway, or fishing your favorite lake, remember me in your texting, emailing, or whenever you're online, in the mall, at a restaurant, or on a walk, remember me. In the sanctuary, in the car, on your way to a church service, in silence and stillness, in your reading of my word, in singing a musical accompaniment, in solitude and community, in praise and thanksgiving, in petitions and requests, in all kinds of prayers, in humility, repentance, and confession, in obedience and willing submission, remember me in Sunday school or in your small group, in every meeting you're a part of, in all your serving and reaching out, in giving your tithes and offerings and receiving the pastor's message in the bread and in the cup, remember me. In the days of your childhood, in the days of your youth, in the early years, middle years, and later years, in every stage of your life, remember me. In the early morning, mid-afternoon, or late evening, in summer, fall, winter, or spring, remember me. In your workplace or break room where my name goes unmentioned, in the car, in the dorm room, classroom, or school hallway, in the bathroom or shower, in the kitchen or bedroom, wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you are, remember and acknowledge me. In all these, God says, look to me, confer with me, thank me, obey me, trust me, yield to me, love me, respect me, bow before me, share with me, think of me, give yourself to me, enjoy me, for I am your God. And this is why he created us, to do all of life with him. And the more we learn how to do that, that is where we will find true satisfaction, purpose, and meaning. And so as we take communion now, whatever thing stood out to you, say, God, I've been forgetting you in these areas, and I want to remember you as I take communion. Would you help me this week to learn how to look for all kinds of ways to say, and that, and that, and that, and that. Teach me how to remember you, and thank you, and listen to you, and talk to you, and walk with you.